excited. I'm Derek. I'm one of the pastors here, for those of you who may not know me. Uh, I'm excited to be here. For most of us, it's like the first week of spring break. Uh, well, if you're a student or a teacher, right? For the rest of us, it's just like the same old, same old, right? <laughs> well, nonetheless, today we're going to continue on in our series, The Hard Sayings of Jesus. Okay, and this is going to take us right up to Easter. And I want to ask you to go ahead and grab your Bibles. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 25 through 34. If you're grabbing a Bible in the chair, it's page 811. Now I'm going to do something a little different than I typically do. And I'm going to read our text, our scripture, right out the gate. Typically I kind of like set up and talk and stuff and then we read right and then we talk some more. Um, in this instance, we kind of need a little context before I can even start talking, okay? So if you... If you're willing and able, I want to invite you in honor of reading God's holy word to stand. So we read Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet... Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore... Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the glorious, beautiful reading of God's word. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, our passage this morning comes in conjunction with the Sermon on the Mount. This is, this is the spot where Jesus had just called his disciples and then retreated with them to teach them about how to live for the kingdom of God. How to live your life as an example of what the kingdom of God should look like. And so he's taking time to share some radical things with his disciples and us. And it's something that's just kind of mind-boggling to these disciples because you got to think about it. They were living for the world and now all of a sudden they're being taught like a complete 180. Everything has changed because of Jesus. And we notice that the very first word in our text is a very important therefore. <laughs> Every time we see a therefore, that means the preceding passage is linked and intertwined with that, this passage. And shortly before our text, if, in fact, in verses 19 through 24, Jesus says something radical. He says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. His focus is on teaching his disciples, teaching you and I, that where our treasure is, so too is our heart. Where all your efforts lie, that's what you care about. 
And Jesus culminates this preceding section in verse 24 when he says this. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So there's a distinction right here in our text. We cannot serve God and money. Now money really is literally talking about wealth and material possessions, not just the dollar. So when you're hearing this money, think about wealth, all your material, all your stuff, okay? And Jesus is stating that our ultimate security, our ultimate confidence in life should be in our Heavenly Father and not in wealth, not material possessions. Now, I went through all of this setup and reading the text because as soon as I bring up the next part, our brains are going to go 100 million miles in every different direction. What does he say after therefore? Therefore, I tell you, do not be what? Anxious. That seven-letter word. Unfortunately, it's very prevalent today, right? Have you ever struggled with anxious thoughts? We all have. And statistically, I know that in this room today, there's some of you out there that struggle with such anxiety, this crippling anxiety that just affects you emotionally, mentally, physically, in such a way that sometimes doctors and medications are used. And I know statistically that there are others out there today that struggle with day-to-day worries that come and go, ebb and flow, but they're there every day. They're just not nearly as severe as the crippling form. And then there's those of us that just worry about certain things at certain times. Flu season, right? Getting married, right? Or whatever. It's just like, it's, it's just a seasonal thing. It, it just is there for a moment, depending on the situation or timing of things. And what most of us know is that there are many different triggers for anxiety and day-to-day worries, right? And all of which come from these, these captive thoughts, these imprisoned thoughts that dominate our lives and they won't go away. Captive thoughts that keep our focus captive thoughts that keep all of our attention on them. It's like they just won't let us go. And like, we can't let go of them. But in our text, Jesus is saying, do not be anxious. Not to take captive thought in wealth and material possessions. But whether you struggle with horrible crippling anxiety or or the day-to-day worries and anxiety and anxious thoughts that may not even be money or wealth related, the solution we find in our text this morning is the same for each of us today. See, we have these two competing captive thoughts in our text. Confidence in our Heavenly Father or confidence in our wealth and possessions. A focus on our Heavenly Father or a focus on our wealth and material possessions. One captive thought that frees us. One captive thought that imprisons us. And the solution I want to share as we unpack our passage this morning is for us to have captive thought on our Heavenly Father. Captive thoughts about what our text says about Him 
that will bolster our trust and belief, our confidence in our Heavenly Father. So as we go through our passage this morning, I'm going to kind of juxtapose why we should have captive thoughts on our Heavenly Father and versus having captive thoughts on wealth and material possessions. And we're going to find some beautiful captive thoughts to focus on this morning. First one, captive thought number one, there is more to life. There is more to life. Verse 25 says it simply, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? See, the Greek word that Jesus used here for life, is it, it's talking about the total person, the whole person, the whole you. So it's not just talking about the life which is lived here on earth the physical and temporal stuff, right? See, it's also inclusive of the life in the eternal kingdom of God, the eternal aspect. So it's not just about the temporal things in our life, it also includes the eternal things as well. Life, there is more to life. And we often forget this beautiful captive thought, don't we? Our sinful, selfish condition leans us towards focusing and thinking about the temporal things and needs first, right? Thinking about food, drink, clothing. But he, he reminds his disciples, he reminds us that there's so much more than just the temporal things and needs of our lives. Do you get bogged down? Do you get weighed down with the temporal needs and things in your life? I know I do at times. Let's, let's be honest. The temporal often trumps the eternal. And it's hard. How much money you need to save? Do I have enough food in the pantry? You know, that question right there stresses me out in about six years. When all six of my kids are teenagers, I can barely feed them now. Like, how in the world am I going to have enough food in the pantry? It's a legit anxious thought. Charles Spurgeon says this, though, concerning our first captive thought. And he says it so beautifully. Many persons think a great deal about the adorning of the body, but do not think anything about the ornaments of the soul. The feeding of the physical frame engrosses much care, but the supply of spiritual food is often neglected. Yet, O oh man, O oh woman, thou thyself art better than thy body. Thine immortal soul is worth far more than the poor carcass of thine, which will soon become food for worms. And all the things that thou hast, what are they compared with thine inner self, thy real self, thy heart, thy soul, thy spirit? Dear brother and sister in Christ, there is more to life. And this beautiful thought gives us, it gives us perspective, doesn't it? And it's a captive thought that we should remember and remind ourselves when the temporal things begin to consume our lives. The eternal and spiritual part of life is far more important than any temporal thing or need that arises. Now Paul states this in Philippians, for to me to live is what? I couldn't hear you. 
Y'all should know by now, I'm like kind of participatory, so it's, it's totally cool. Just don't raise your hand and ask a question. That'll be for later. <laughs> so for, to me, to live is and to die is gain. Right. So this is saying that while we as Christians live, we live for the eternal kingdom of God first and foremost. And even if temporal things and needs are not met or achieved, death is far greater. Greater. Why? Because we're with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Heavenly Father in perfect eternity forever and ever. Death is far greater. The eternal matters much more than the temporal. See, when we, when we solely focus on the temporal needs and things in our lives, we become consumed and we become overwhelmed. But when we focus on the eternal things and needs of our lives, we become free. All right, let's look at captive thought number two that we come across in our passage. And that is, we are valuable to God. We are valuable to God. And this is stated in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? See, Jesus uses our abilities to utilize creation for food. Our abilities, meaning we can sow, we can reap, we can build and store. And he uses this to show that birds don't. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't soar. Now, what Jesus is not saying, hear me carefully. What Jesus is not saying is that work and effort are bad. That is not what he's saying. Because if we all know the early bird gets the worm, meaning that bird's got to put forth some effort, right? But what he is saying is that birds are dependent on creation to provide. Dependent on God to provide. Yet God has given you and I so much more opportunity to use creation for our own ends. To sow, to reap, and store of what our Heavenly Father has provided. Do you find yourself tirelessly working for the next meal? Worrying about if you've done enough. And the more that rattles around in your brain, here's the progression. This captive thought then says, have I done enough to gain enough to feel assured enough that I'm going to be okay? I, 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 am I okay? When we have captive thoughts on wealth and material possessions, church, we become dependent on ourselves to do it all, to secure it all and to hold on to it as tight as we can. And Jesus is reminding us of the exact opposite in our passage this morning. That we should trust God for his provisions for our life. Why? Because we are valuable to God. You know, I think, I think sometimes we feel of lesser value, lesser worth because of our circumstances. Or because we compare ourselves to others. That's a big one right now, right? In social media, you can't help but scroll and go, ah, oh, man, they got it so good. And then you start going down the rabbit trail. The comparison game is very much exacerbated in social media. 
get off of it. I only use it in case like I have to check up on one of you or I can't remember your face with your name and then I like, <laughs> what is that called, Facebook stalk or something? <laughs> but I mean, I get, you get caught in it and then you end up comparing yourself over and over and then what happens? You feel worthless. And you begin to feel like you have absolutely no value. And we forget that we're valued because we focused on the wrong captive thought. And when, when we focus on that wrong captive thought, here's what happens. We either give up, destroyed by feeling lesser, or what? We dig down, pick ourselves up, and we work as hard as we can to prove our worth and value, not just to everyone else, but to ourselves. When we take the correct captive thought that we are valuable to God, it frees us. It helps us understand just how precious and special each of us are to God. Take a look at Genesis 1 behind me. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Dear friend, out of all of creation, you are valuable to God. Because you are made in his image. Nothing else. You are valuable to God. And he's given you so much. He's given you dominion. Nothing else. You are valuable to God. And that should communicate to you and I this morning when we take that captive thought that we are valuable to our Heavenly Father and in turn, that should bolster our confidence in His care and His concern for our lives. All right, captive thought number three. You like that segue? It's just a boop, right? You just got to buckle up with me this morning. It's a little different than I normally, normally do. Captive thought number three. We are a child of a sovereign God. We are a child of a sovereign God. And verse 27 states this. Excuse me. Jesus states this in verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? See, Jesus is making this bold statement to his disciples, to us, to illustrate that we're not in control. And especially the captive thoughts on wealth and material possessions does nothing to increase the length of our lives. We think it does, but it does nothing to increase the length of our lives. Our selfish and sinful nature strives to buy things, to do things, to increase our life, or at worst, to preserve the amount of time we think we have left. But again... This is a focus on, on temporal means to solve an eternal issue. Wrong captive thoughts do nothing to aid us on the other side of eternity. They do nothing to keep us focused on our heavenly father and his eternal kingdom. 
which, here's the good news, we get to be a part of. We're a part of his eternal kingdom. But our pride within each of us does not want to confess that we have no control, right? Because when we're not in control, we're powerless and helpless. And how many of us want to be powerless and helpless? Said no one ever, right? We don't want to. And we think foolishly that wealth and things will buy more time or will prove that we're the ones in control of our lives because we're the ones that can help ourselves. What is it that you struggle with? Are you tirelessly working to add time to your life? To gain back time? How are you even trying to accomplish this? Is there this prevailing captive thought that's telling you, I'm in control, I have the power? Well, let's look back at Job. Remember that book? If you don't know, let me give you a little quick, little two-second tidbit. Job, God allowed everything to be taken from him and allowed calamity, you name it, think of the worst, like, ever things in conjunction with each other. That's what happened to Job. God allowed it. And Job questioned back and forth with kiss. But at the end of Job, God responds. Check this out. Where were you, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Here's the reality, church family. The one from the beginning of eternity, our heavenly father, is the only sovereign one over time. And Jesus is basically telling us that our human impotence renders wrong captive thoughts useless. Our inability to control time, our inability to have all power renders wrong captive thoughts and material wealth, possessions, and ourselves futile, useless. Because the captive thought we need to focus on that frees us, that Jesus is getting at in this verse is we are a child of a sovereign God. That because he is sovereign and we are his children, we can trust him with his power and his control over all things, including our lives. All right, captive thought number four. Our captive thought number four is our Heavenly Father cares for us. Our Heavenly Father cares for us. Verses 28 through 30 is where we get this captive thought from. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. See, Jesus uses two illustrations in conjunction with each other to focus on how much our Heavenly Father cares for us. Lilies and King Solomon. Now what do we know about lilies? They're like a wildflower. They sit. They grow. They live the life. Think about it. They soak up the sun and drink water all day. That's it. That's all they do. And Solomon, 
in all his glorious splendor, get this, was given all of his wealth, all of his possessions by God. He earned none of it. And what Jesus is getting at here is even at the height of Solomon's wealth and splendor, with all of his material possessions, with all of his wealth, the lilies of the field had been clothed better, more beautifully than him. And all this clothing's been done by God. But Jesus continues on saying what? How much more our heavenly father will clothe us over the lilies of the field? If Solomon was so glorious and the lilies are even more glorious, how much more will he clothe us, his most cherished creation? Our heavenly father cares for us. Jesus is communicating to his disciples, to you and I, that the care and concern of our heavenly father is exceedingly great, is exceedingly perfect. So we can either take captive thought on material wealth and possessions, putting our trust and concern in them to clothe and to provide for us, to be concerned and care for us, which is impossible if you think about it, or we can take captive thought in the fact that our Heavenly Father cares for us. Craig Blomberg wrote a commentary on this passage, and this is what he says here. If God lavishes, lavishes such concern over the rest of his creation, how much more does he love us? And I think some of us take captive thought that we're just not worthy of our Heavenly Father's care. That we're just not worth his concern for us. And we lack belief in his goodness and mercy for us. Dear brother and sister in Christ, that can't be further from the truth. Let me encourage you with a biblical picture and truth of God caring for us even while we were unworthy of his care and concern. You remember Adam and Eve? The fall? Like they were in perfect unity, fellowship with God in the garden, right? And then the first sin happened, the fall, right? What did they do? They hid because why? They were shamed, right? They hid because they sinned and they were ashamed. Now, what did God do? Did he ignore them? No, God showed his care and concern for them in the midst of their unworthiness and shame. Genesis 3 says, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. In the midst of their unworthiness, in the midst of their sin and shame, God sought them out and clothed them. First Peter, it was funny how Holy Spirit works. I was, it was up on the screen earlier for one of the songs, but 1 Peter 5 says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because why? He cares for you. How amazing is our Heavenly Father's care and concern for us, even in the midst of our sin and shame. This is why taking captive thought that our Heavenly Father cares for us is so important. It reassures and reinforces our confidence in His goodness, in His mercy, in His care, in His concern for us, His precious children. All right, last captive thought. Our Heavenly Father knows what we need 
which enables us to seek after him and his kingdom. Our heavenly father knows what we need, which enables us to seek after him and his kingdom. Verses 31 through 33 say this. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is telling the disciples that the Gentiles seek and fret over what they will eat, what they will drink, and wear. Not you. Because, see, for the Gentiles, anxiety and captive thoughts dominated their pagan religions. Even if you look at a lot of religions today that are not Christian, right, basically it's just dominated by anxiety and captive thought on material wealth and possessions. Why? Because their deity has to be appeased. And if their deity has to be appeased, there's no measure, there's no bar of that appeasement. You just have to keep giving and hope you've given enough which means you've got to start earning stuff to then give stuff. And their captive thought, the Gentiles' captive thoughts, they're never satisfied because the deity that they serve didn't care about them, doesn't know them, because it's not the one true God. But Jesus counters the Gentiles' captive thoughts with telling the disciples, telling you and I, our Heavenly Father knows what we need. If our Heavenly Father values us, cares for us, and knows what we need, we can have confidence in Him. We can trust and believe in His goodness and mercy for us as His children. And if we have confidence in our Heavenly Father, we should feel motivated and compelled to seek after Him and His kingdom. Do you trust in the goodness and mercy of God in your life, in His care and concern for you? Are you taking captive thought and seeking him and his kingdom? Or are you seeking self and building up your personal kingdom? There's a passage in Luke that addresses how futile it is for us to have captive thought dominated by wealth and material possessions. The parable of the rich fool. It tells of a man dominated by the captive thought of wealth and possessions as a means of security and building his own personal kingdom. Luke 12, we find this, and the, this is the rich fool talking, and he said, I will do this, the rich fool, I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years, relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Are you storing up personal wealth and possessions to feel confident and secure in what you have gained and achieved? Are you, are you storing up personal wealth and possessions to feel confident and secure in the future that you don't even know about? You don't know how long. You don't know what's coming. None of us know what the next second brings. God does. We don't. Are you storing up treasures in heaven? Giving to those in need? Sharing your material blessings with others? Sharing the glorious good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
because of your confidence in your heavenly father and his kingdom. Brother and sister, the question is simple. Do you seek to build up your kingdom? Or do you seek our heavenly father and his? Do you care more about building up your personal kingdom where your heart is? Or do you care more about seeking after God and his kingdom where our heart should be? Dear church family, our heavenly father knows what we need, which enables us to seek after him and his kingdom. Now, I know what you think. You're like, Derek, you just said that was the last half of thought. I know. And there's still one verse left. I know. Verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, Jesus says this to remind us that daily dependence on our Heavenly Father is needed for us in this fallen and sinful world. Every day is going to have its own trouble. So to take captive thought on tomorrow is foolish as there's enough trouble today. Can I get an amen on that? There's something. Always. Why are we worried about the next something? (laughs) I think a dangerous rebuttal or question we often ask in conjunction with tomorrow or even the next moment's future as it pertains to these good captive thoughts is but what if. But what if? Yeah, I trust my heavenly father. I trust him. But what if? What if something awful is coming up? I remember, I wasn't planning to say this, but I remember when Becky and I had our first miscarriage, we did the but what if. Like, well, I trust him, but what if something really bad was going to happen to the child? Like, we just trying to make sense of it all. And that but what if game is very dangerous. Yeah, I understand there's more to life, but what if, what if this is it? I'm miserable. What if? What if I ain't got nothing left? Yeah, I've been assured I'm valuable to my Heavenly Father. I know I'm, I'm valuable to Him, but what if I do something or say something that lessens my value and worth to Him? What if? What if I mess up? But what if? Yeah, I have confidence he's in control. But what if things get out of control? What if, what if, what if the war gets crazy in World War III? La, 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 la. But what if? Yeah, I know he cares for me. I do, I do, I do. But what if I lose my job? What if I can't save enough? But what if? We all do it. I believe he'll provide. But what if I can't, I don't have enough money to put food on my plate for my six kids tomorrow? But what if? Every time we ask that question, dear friends, it's negating the good captive thoughts we should have. What is the but what if that you ask? What is your but what if? Is it a concern for family? A noble thing, yet it's a but what if. 
about a focus on finances? Well, what's your but what if? Is it a feeling of unworthiness? Is it a feeling of loneliness? Of despair? What's your but what if? Our Heavenly Father is the God of tomorrow. And consequently, every tomorrow after that. So what I'm going to do here in just a moment is we're going to show all the captive thoughts. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick one. All right, if you're an overachiever, you can pick more, fine, whatever. Pick one. Pick one, write it down. And this week, I want you to remember this. And I want you to get into Scripture to find all the ways that that captive thought is true and bolsters your confidence in your Heavenly Father. And when you find the urge to counter the captive thoughts with the but what ifs, because they will come, the but what ifs will come, I want you to remember this. It's the glorious good news of the gospel that our beautiful Savior Jesus Christ, he's the evidence and proof of all of these good captive thoughts. We can put them up there now. There is more to life. Because why? Jesus beat death and conquered the grave. Showing we have much more to live for. Him. We are valuable to God because he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for us so that we may have life and have it abundantly. We are a child of a sovereign God because our trust and belief in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior enables us to go from enemies of God to children of a sovereign heavenly Father who has complete control over all things. Our Heavenly Father cares for us because, Romans 5, even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Our Heavenly Father knows what we need, which enables us to seek after Him and His kingdom because He knew forgiveness of our sins through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was the only way to enter into His kingdom. Jesus died not just for our now, but for our tomorrow and our tomorrow's tomorrow. Even while we battle sin, even while we strive to seek after him and his kingdom and we have these captive thoughts and these but what ifs just try to creep in, remember the glorious good news of the gospel. We are not enough, Christ is. We will never get it right, Christ did, perfectly. Whatever inadequacy, it's valid. We are inadequate. Christ is sufficient. May the good news of Jesus Christ flood your captive thoughts. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it's mind-blowing to me that you would even save me. Let alone care for me. Care for us. God, I pray if there's someone out there that's just struggling right now with trusting you and having confidence in you because of a situation, a but what if, a circumstance in life, God, remind them of your love. God, the fact that Jesus Christ went through an immense tortured death for us 
should be enough for us, God, yet we confess our sin. There's times we don't trust. There's times we don't, be don't believe. And God, you are good. And God, you are merciful. And you do have care and concern for us. God, please, Holy Spirit, remind us of this. Infuse our captive thoughts with this. God, as, as these but what ifs come up, God, remind us. Remind us of the righteousness we now have because of Christ. God, we love you, we trust you, and it's in your beautiful son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.